Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of Reading by Flashlight. I'm Allison, and in this episode, we will be going over chapters 13 through 24 of The Inheritance Games, written by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. So if you've already listened to episode one, good, go ahead and continue watching. But if you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to go to episode one, where not only do we go over chapters one through 12, but I also have a little bit of a book intro there, where I tell you a little bit about the book, about the author, and what the book's about. So again, this is The Inheritance Games, written by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Um, she's written other series. One is the Naturals series, so if you know that series, you probably know who this is, but I don't know what that book is, but we're here to go over chapters 13 through 24. So if you watched the last, the first episode, I guess I should say, we left off where Avery received a her letter and she finally opened it and the words that were inside it was really short it said dearest Avery I'm sorry tth so that's where we left off and now we're on to chapter 13 where she starts to say sorry what what is Tobias Hawthorne sorry for and so she's been thinking about this all day and then Oren who if you watched last episode is her bodyguard and he tells her that there's some security protocols that they put together and they'd like to go over it with her. And so she, Alyssa comes to her and tells her that you're a target now. And she says, a target for what? And she's like, well, the paparazzi, of course. You know, you're new. You somehow just enter unknown and you not steal, but like you take this man's inheritance. People are going to be asking questions like there's no doubt about that. And then Oren says, well, yes, paparazzi, but there's also kidnapping, you know, like you'd be held for ransom, you know, all that stuff. So fun. Stalking, people will make threats. And he says, people will make threats. They always do. You're young and you're female and that will make it worse. With your sister's permission, I'll arrange a detail for her as well as soon as she gets back. And so then she didn't, I guess Avery didn't know that Libby, her sister was gone. So she says, well, where is Libby? And Alyssa answers by saying she's on a plane, specifically your plane. And then she, um, Avery says, wait, what? I have a plane? And she's like, oh, yeah, you have several planes. You have a helicopter, I think, but that's neither here or there. Your sister's gone to retrieve her things and your things back at her apartment. And she says, given the deadlines for your move into Hawthorne House, we thought it was best for you to remain here. And so Oren begins to talk about, like, very seriously, like, the second the news gets out that this girl that the Hawthorne family doesn't even know somehow inherited his whole fortune, like, you're going to be, like, the big story. You're going to be on the cover of every newspaper, every article, every TV news station, one trending topic of all social media. And he says, to some people, you'll be Cinderella. To others, Marie Antoinette. And that hits her. She's like... Some people would want to be me, but others would want to hate me. Boo. Wow. And then she says, for the first time, I noticed the gun holstered to Oren's side. Well, yeah, she now she re fully realizes, like, why she needs protection, why she needs a bodyguard. And then he says, it's best you sit tight. Your sister will arrive, arrive later tonight. 
So then it says, for the rest of the morning, Alyssa and I played what I had mentally termed the uprooting Avery's life in an instant game. She had quit from her job. She took, Alyssa had taken care of withdrawing her from school. So she didn't even have to go to school, like, at least for now. I'm sure she, like, will go to some fancy school later. But, like, for now, she doesn't have school. And so she starts to wonder, like, what about my car? Like, Libby can't tow that here if she's riding an airplane. And then Alyssa tells her, well, Orin will be your driver for now, but we can have your vehicle shipped here if you'd like, or you can pick out a new vehicle. And so then she says, for all the emphasis she put on that, you would have thought she talked about buying gum at the supermarket. And so she says, do you prefer sedans or SUVs? Any color preferences? And, like, she's holding her phone now. Like, she's acting like she can just hit a couple buttons and she can order a car. And Avery tells her she's going to have to excuse her for a moment. And she climbs back into her bedroom. And she starts to text, call, and DM Max, trying to, you know, talk to her. But she doesn't get an answer. And she says she had definitely had her phone confiscated and probably her laptop. So, yeah, Max is not going to be able to answer right now. And she says, less than 24 hours earlier, I'd been sleeping in a parking lot. The closest thing I'd come to splurging was the occasional breakfast sandwich. And then she remembered breakfast sandwiches, and she immediately thought of Harry, who was one of the first characters we were introduced to in the book. And then she's like, Alyssa, if I didn't want a new car, and if I wanted to spend some money on someone else, could I? And Alyssa told her that they could probably work that out. She said that all I had to do was speak and it was handled. And she said this wouldn't last. It couldn't. Sooner or later, someone would figure out that this was some kind of screw up. So I might as well enjoy it while it lasts. Then Libby walks in because she got back from the plane. And she came and her right eye was bruised and swollen nearly shut. And Libby said, if you say I told you so, I will make butterscotch cupcakes and guilt you into eating them every day. And then Alyssa says, is there a problem that I should know about? And Libby said, Avery hates butterscotch. And then um, Avery said, Alyssa, does your law firm have a hitman on retainer? <coughs> what? And then she says, no, but I'm a very resourceful person. I can make some phone calls. And then Libby's like, I legitimately cannot tell if you are joking. I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. And then they're starting to like, but nope, they're cutting each other off. And then before Libby or her could say anything, Oren comes in and says that we have a problem. But he doesn't really sound too bothered by it. But Alyssa immediately knows that something's up because she puts down her phone and starts to follow. And they go onto the balcony. And Avery pushes past Oren and looks down the balcony. And there is literally like a mob of paparazzi and she says and just like that every camera was pointed up at the balcony at me so chapter 14 starts off with Oren saying i thought you said your firm had this locked down and Alyssa's like mad like she did she had this all prepared she does not know why the paparazzi are here right now they shouldn't be here and then she says that leak didn't come from us and her eyes darts toward libby and she says it came from your boyfriend libby's answer was barely more than a whisper my ex wow that's okay this chapter is pretty dramatic yeah yeah okay okay so then libby's starting to apologize because she said that she had told drake everything when she went back about the will the conditions of her of avery's inheritance where they were staying every single thing and then she's 
um, Avery said that he wouldn't, he would have been angry that she'd taken off, but he, she, he would have tried to guilt her into telling him everything. He would have started making plans to spend the Hawthorne and money if she had brought her along. And then she comes to the conclusion that that's where Libby's swollen eye had come from, Drake. And then voices from below are starting to say, there she is, there she is, it's Avery, over here. One says, Avery, how does it feel to be the richest teenager in America? Another one says, how does it feel to be the world's youngest billionaire? Did you know Tobias Hawthorne? Is it true that you were Tobias Hawthorne's daughter? And so right now she's making her way outside and she's getting into an SUV. And then she gets a text from an unknown number but she at first she thought it was max but it wasn't and it was a picture of someone had sent her avery grams who is the hawthorne heiress and then a short message accompanied by picture hey mystery girl you're officially famous so now they're officially at the gates of hawthorne house and once they pull in the rest of the world seemed to fade away there wasn't no welcome party there wasn't no one waiting on them it was just empty and so Alyssa disappears behind the back of the house, and when she returns, she finds this large envelope. And she says, legally, the Hawthorne family is required to provide you with the keys. So Avery took the envelope, and she ripped it open, and inside was literally hundreds of keys hooked to the same ring or chain or something. And she says, any idea which one of these goes to the front door? And they weren't like normal, you know little keys they were like different sizes they were all different colors they were looked like antique keys they were different metals different lengths different sizes different designs like they did not look like they all went to this house like they were so different and then someone says you'll figure it out and then she says her gaze jerks forward and I found myself staring at an intercom and then Alyssa says cut out the games Jameson this isn't nearly as cute as you think it is and then no one replies and then Alyssa says, Jameson, because he's on the intercom. And he says, I have faith in you, MG. And then Libby's like, who's MG? And I said, mystery girl. From what I've gathered, that's Jason Hawthorne's idea of a nickname. So then she goes back to the keys. She's trying to, you know, figure out which is which. And she says, but luck didn't feel like enough. I was already the luckiest girl in the world because she had all the money. And so she's flipping through the keys, inspecting the designs there's one with an apple, one with a snake, a one with a pattern of swirls reminiscent of water. There were keys for each letter of the alphabet. There were just so many. And then Alyssa says, well, do you want me to make a phone call? And she says, no, because she wants to figure out. But she's like, this would be too easy, too simple. And a second later, a parallel thought for followed, not simple enough. So she said she learned this much playing chess. The more complicated a person's strategy seemed, the less likely an opponent was to look for simple answers. If you could keep somehow looking at your knight, you could take them with a pawn. Look past the details, past the complications. So she's looking at each key and she says, well, I'm not just looking for similarity. And she realized looking at two of the keys side by side in the pattern was the same mechanism that actually turned the lock. It was identical. And she moved on to a third key and it was the same. And she began looking and seeing the same, same, same. So there weren't hundreds of keys on this ring. So the faster the flipped, she flipped through them, the surer that she was. There were two dozen of copies of the wrong keys dressed up to look different from each other. And then this one. She finally found the one that she was sure was it. And she put the key in the lock and it, and it clicked. And Libby said, how did you know which key to use? And then the answer it says the answer came from the intercom. 
Sometimes, Jason Hawthorne said, things that appear very different on the surface are actually exactly the same at the core. So they finally get inside. This is chapter 15, and Alyssa says, Welcome home, Avery. And, like, Avery still really can't believe that this place is hers. She said it felt like walking into Buckingham Palace or Hogwarts and being told that it was yours. And so Alyssa starts to tell her where everything is. Down the corridor, we have these rooms. We have the theater, the music room, the conservatory. And she says, you've seen the great room, the formal dining room, the kitchen, the chef's kitchen. And then she's like, there's a chef? And yeah, she's like, and Alyssa's like, yeah, there's all sorts of chefs here, you know. And then the Lawlands enter the room. And Mr. Lawland, the ones who inherited some money at the will, says, but my wife handles the day-to-day cooking. And then Mrs. Lawland said, Mr. Hawthorne was a very private man. He made me do most of the cooking because he didn't like to have a lot of outsiders poking around the house, if necessary. And Alyssa explains that there's dozens of staff members on retainer. They all receive full-time pay, but they work when they're called. And Mr. Lawland said, if something needs done, there's always someone to do it. But we'd like to see it done in the most discreet fashion possible. More often than not, you won't even know that they're here. But then Oran says, but I will. I'm head of security. Moving on and off the estate is strictly tracked, and no one makes it past the gate without a deep clearance check. And then he starts to mention all these people, like sommeliers, stylists, chef, chauffeurs, you know, all these people. And she's like, all these people are going to work for me? And then Alyssa starts to say there's a basketball court, a racquetball court, a rock climbing wall, bowling alley, and... Avery's like, a bowling alley? Like, that's what she sees out of the most of it. And it's like, bowling alley in your own house? How cool would that be to have a bowling alley? So then she's like, yeah, there's a bowling alley. There's a gym. There's, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff. And, like, obviously, obviously they do. And then Nash Hawthorne steps into the room, and Libby whispers in her ear, it's the motorcycle cowboy. <sighs> that's funny. That should be, if that's his nickname, I'm going to be happy, Motorcycle Cowboy. And then it says, Alyssa stiffens up and says, if everything's in order here, I should go check on the firm. And then she just reaches into her hand and pulls out a new phone and gives it to Avery and says, I've programmed my number, Mr. Lawlands and Orens. If you need anything, give us a call. And she left without a single word, and they all watched her go. And Miss Lawlands says, you be careful with that one. So, obviously, something seems strange whenever Nash enters the room. And so, Nash says, don't go convincing yourself Lily's in consorting with the enemy. Avery isn't anyone's enemy. There are no enemies here. That's just what he wanted. And Avery knew immediately when he said he, he meant Tobias Hawthorne. He said, even dead, he was larger than life. And Libby says, but none of this is Avery's fault. She's just a kid. And then Nash looks over at Libby and looks at her and sees her black eye and he remembered, what happened to you? And she says, I'm fine. And Nash says, I can see that. And then Oron says to Libby, he says, if you've got a moment, I'd like to introduce you to Hector, who will be running point on your detail. Avery, I can personally guarantee that Nash will not axe murder you or allow you to be axe murdered by anyone else while I'm gone. And then that got Nash laughing. And then um, Avery glared at Oren. And then they walked into the house, and Avery leans over to Nash and says, Leave her alone. Nash says, You're protective, and you seem like you'd fight dirty, and if there's one thing I respect, it's those particular traits in combination. And then there was a crash and a thud, and Nash said, That would be the reason I came back, and am not living a pleasantly existence as we speak. And then there's another noise, and Nash rolls his eye and said, This should be fun. You might as well tag along, kid. 
So chapter 16 starts out with Nash had long legs, so a lazy amble on his part required me to keep up to jog. So they're just walking and Nash threw open a door and instead of what she thought she was going to see was like a fight or something, she saw Grayson and Jameson standing on opposite sides of a library and it was huge. Like there were shelves everywhere. There, it said the shelves stretched up to 15 or 20 feet overhead, and every single one was lined completely with hardcover books. Hardcover's the best. And you get all of them. And they said in the library center, there was a massive tree stump easily 10 feet across. Even from a distance, I could see the rings marking the tree's age. It took me a moment to realize that it was meant to be used as a desk. Bruh. And she says, I could stay here forever. Bruh, me too. Totally. Imagine having a library in your own house and a bowling alley and a rock climbing wall and all this stuff like she's living the dream here people so then nash eyes his brother and he says so who do i need to kick first and grayson looks up at from the book he's holding and says must we always resort to fisty cuffs and then nash says looks like we haven't volunteer so yeah they do not obviously get along that well and nash says do i have a second volunteer and then jameson says couldn't stay away could you big brother and then Nash says, and leave Avery here with you knuckleheads. And then Grayson says, I wouldn't worry too much about Miss Graham. She's clearly capable of taking care of herself. Translation, I'm a soulless, gold-digging con artist, and he sees straight through me. And then Jameson says, don't pay attention to Gray. None of us do. And then Nash says, Jamie, zip it. And then Xander walks in, and he says, what do I miss? And he says he's wearing a private school uniform complete with a blazer. And Grayson says, you haven't missed anything at all. And Miss Grahams was just leaving. I'm sure you want to get settled. And she, and then she's thinking, I was a billionaire now and he was still giving orders. And then Xander says, wait a minute, were you guys brawling in here without me? This is what I get for being the one who doesn't skip school. And then apparently they wrestle a lot or something because Xander pounced onto Nash and then yells, pinned you. And then it says, Nash hooked his ankles around Xander's legs and flipped him, pinning him to the ground. And he says, not today, little brother. And then he just is, like, holding him there in that position. It's like, I I can usually picture things when I read. But, like, if it comes to, like, wrestling, like, I've never read that before in a book until now. Like, I can't see that in my head. This is literally cursed. Like, okay. Speaking of cursed, I looked up today because i said cursed and this person that shows you how to pronounce the word said cursed like to me that sounds like cursive like do people actually say cursed or is it actually cursed because i say cursed like what do you guys say i say i say cursed but they said it's cursed i'm i'm so confused okay back to the book Okay, so after Xander's been pinned, Avery's kind of just like, I should go. And Grayson's like, yeah, you should. You don't even belong here at all. And then they're like, whoa, okay, just be nice, okay? Yeah, just very nice. And then Jameson's like, yeah, Avery solved the keys faster than any of us. And then everyone goes like really silent for some reason. And it's just a pair of keys. Like, what? It's so important about it. And then Grayson goes, you gave her the keys. And then he says, we were legally obligated to hand over a key, Grayson said. 
We were legally obligated to give her a key, James, and not the keys. Like, he gave her all the keys to, I guess, all the rooms and everything. And they, I guess they had decided to only give her the key to the front door. But Jameson had given her the keys to everything. And then Jameson said, I was curious to what she'd do. Do you want to hear her time? And Nash says, no. And then everyone forgot about Xander. And they're just like, he's like, can I get up now? And then Nash says, nope. So then Jameson and Grayson are acting like they're going to start another fight. And then Jameson says, welcome to Hawthorne House, mystery girl. And Avery says, stop calling me mystery girl. My name's Avery. And then Jameson says, I'll also be willing to call you Eris. What do you think, Gray? Got a nickname preference for a new landlord? And then she's like, landlord. Jameson's just trying to rub it in because Grayson obviously is upset that she has the inheritance and he's just trying to rub it into Grayson's face. And then Grayson tells Nat, or not Nash, Jameson, that I'm tr- just trying to protect you. And Jameson replied, I think we both know that the only person you're trying to protect is yourself. And then Nash stands up, pulling his youngest brother to his feet and says, Xander, why don't you show Avery to her wing? And then Xander says, Come on, we'll stop for cookies on the way. And then Grayson yells back, no cookies. And then Xander says, fine, you drive a hard bargain, Grayson Hawthorne. No cookies. We'll stop for scones. Chapter 17 starts off with Xander saying, the first scone is what I like to call the practice scone. So he literally stuffs an entire scone in his mouth and hands one to Avery and like continues to talk. He's like, it's not until the third, no, maybe the fourth scone that you really develop any kind of scone eating expertise. And then he says, your nature is skeptical. That will serve you well in these halls, but if there's one universal truth in the human experience is that a finely honed scone-eating palate does not just develop overnight. And then she says she caught, caught sight of Orin and wondered how long he had been tailing her. And so she says, why are we standing here talking about scones? scones? And then she's like, you guys are after the fortune. And she's like, aren't you supposed to hate me? And she says, oh, I do hate you. If you notice, I have kept the blueberry confections for myself and given you, and he literally shudders, the lemon-flavored scones. Such is the depth of my loathing for you personally and on principle. And she's like, that's a joke. And he says, why would I hate you? You aren't the one who did this. He did. And again, it's like referring to Tobias. And Avery says, your grandfather was a piece of work. And he says, I agree. In honor, I'll eat the scone. Want me to show you your room now? So she says, just point me into the right direction. Because she just wanted to get away from him. And he said, about that. There's a chance that Hawthorne House is just a tiny bit hard to navigate. Imagine, if you will, that a labyrinth had a baby with Where's Waldo? Only Waldo is your room. And then she just says, Hawthorne House has an inconvenient layout. And then Xander says, yep, has anyone ever told you you have a way with words? And then Xander says, Hawthorne House is the largest privately owned residential home in the state of Texas. I could give you a number of square footage, but it would only be an estimate. The true thing that truly separates Hawthorne House from others is the castle-like structures isn't so much its size as its nature. My grandfather added at least one new room or wing every year. Imagine, if you will, that M.C. Esker drawing conceived a child with Leonardo da Vinci's most masterful designs, and then she's like, stop, new rule, you're not allowed to use any terminology for baby making when describing this house or its occupants, including yourself. And he says, harsh, and then she goes, my house, my rules. 
and he's like shocked and she says too soon and she says and sorry not she says he says i'm hawthorne it's never too soon to start trash talking so then he starts to kind of tell her about the weird layout. He says, now, as I was saying, the east wing is actually the northwest wing located on the second floor. And if you get lost, just look for the old man. That This was his wing la the last few months. And so there's a big picture of Tobias Hawthorne and says he had silver gray hair and a face more weather worn than I realized. His eyes were Grayson's almost exactly. His belt was Jameson's and his chin was Nash's. She said, if I hadn't seen Xander in motion, I might not have recognized a resemblance between him and the old man at all, but it was there in the way Tobias's features pulled together. Not the eyes or nose or mouth, but something about the shape in between. And then she says, but I've never even met him. I'd remember if I had met him. And then Xander says, are you sure? And then she starts to think like, had I ever met this billionaire? Had our paths crossed before? And then she just started to think of that letter and the words over and over and over again. I'm sorry. Chapter 18 starts off with her saying, Xander left me to explore my wing. And then she realizes what she said, like my wing. She says, I felt ridiculous saying those words in my mansion. The first four doors led to suites, each of them sized to make a king bed look tiny. The closet could have doubled as bedrooms and the bathrooms. Showers were built in seats and a minimum of three different shower heads apiece. Gargantuan bathtubs that came with control panels. Televisions inlaid in every single mirror. What? That would be weird, though. Like, televisions. I think a television in the bathroom would be kind of weird. But, like, in every single mirror in the bathroom would it be a television instead of a mirror. Uh, no, no, thank you. Not for me. Okay. On to the story. Then there was another door, and it led to an office. It was enormous. It had glass display shelves. It had everything that would make you think it was a museum geodes antiques weapons weapons statues of stone and onyx and onyx why did i say onyx and so there was a compass a large brass one and it turns northeast and a compartment at her desk popped open and then she remembered what xander had said this wing was where tobias hawthorne had spent his last few months and then she didn't want to look through the compartment that had just opened she wanted to look through every drawer Maybe there would have been something that would see why that he had pushed his family away for her. Had She says, had I done something to impress him? Did he see something in me or mom? So she walks over to the compartment and there's a T engraved into it and nothing really happens. And then she looks behind the shelf or the desk and there's like these shelves filled with plaques and trophies and she walks towards them and there are all sorts of different things. Like there's ones for you know like every surfboarding sword fighting medals black belts championship cups national championships cups you know like all these different kinds of trophies and achievements were on the walls and it says there was a series of four framed comic books superheroes i recognized the kind they made movies about authored by the four grant hawthorne grandsons a coffee table book of photographs bore Jay Grayson's name on the spine.
Then she says, this wasn't just a display, it was practically a shrine, Tobias Hawthorne's ode to his four extraordinary grandsons. This made no sense. It didn't make sense that any four people, three of them teenagers, could have achieved this much. And it definitely didn't make sense that the man who'd kept this display in his office had decided that none of them deserved to inherit his fortune. And then Avery hears her voice being called, and she turns around, and it's Libby. And she's like, this place is so unreal. And then she's, Avery says, that's one word for it. And then she looks at her sister's bruise, and it's looking worse. And Libby says, it's fine. It doesn't hurt that much. And then she says to Libby, please tell me you're done. And Libby says, well, I'm here, aren't I? I chose you. And then she explains how her mom, I guess, used to be abusive to her. She was stressed. She was a single mom, and things were hard. She And she tried to make things better for her. But it didn't always get returned. And not nicely either. So then they step outside onto the balcony. And down below there was a swimming pool. And she said it must have been heated because someone was swimming laps. And then Grayson's down there and he's swimming. And then Libby says, I have to tell you something. And she says, about Drake? And she says, no, I heard something. When Orin introduced me to my security detail, I overheard Zara's husband talking. They're trying to run a DNA test on you. And then Avery's thinking, I had no idea where Zara and her husband had gotten a sample of my DNA, but I wasn't totally surprised. They'd probably want to make sure that I wasn't a total stranger. The simplest explanation was that maybe I was a Hawthorne. And then Libby said, if Tobias Hawthorne was your father, then our dad, my dad, isn't. And if we don't share a dad, and we barely saw each other growing up. And then she said, Avery said, don't you dare say we're not sisters. Libby asks, would you still want me here, though, if we're not? And then she said, but I want you here, no matter what. Chapter 19 starts with her saying, that night I took the longest shower of my life. I put on ratty pajamas and flopped down on what I was pretty sure was Egyptian cotton sheets. And then she heard a voice that said, pull the candlestick. So she got up and she immediately like grabbed her keys off her nightstand in like an instant like it was an instinct for her she said just in case i needed a weapon my eyes scanned the room for the person who'd spoken and came up empty and then the voice came again it said pull the candlestick on the fireplace heiress unless you want me to be stuck back here and then she pulled the candle bra and this fireplace you know, move, was moving, and she, Avery said, pretty sure this qualifies as stalking, and he tells her a certain way to pull it so that he can get out of the fireplace, so then it starts to, like, spin around on something, and Jameson comes out, and he says, secret passage, the house is full of them, and she says, am I supposed to find that comforting or terrifying, and then he says, you tell me, mystery girl, and then he said, you're not asking about the keys. I expected you to ask about the keys. And then she said, that was you? And he says, it's a little bit of a family tradition. He says, but I'm not family. He says, do you believe that? And then she thought about what Tobias Hawthorne and about the DNA test and Zara's husband. And then he says, I think that you already have more family than you can deal with. Or Avery says that. And I think you're a lot less smooth than you think you are. You want something. And then he says, everyone is going to want something from you soon, Eris. The question is, how many of us want something that you're willing to give? And then she said, stop calling me Eris. And if you turn answering, start, if you keep turning my answers into questions in some kind of riddle, riddle I'm calling security. 
And he said, that's the thing, mystery girl. I don't think I'm turning anything into a riddle. I don't think so. You are a riddle, a puzzle, a game. I think you're my grandfather's last. And so she says, why do you think this house has so many secret passages? Why are there so many keys that don't even work on any of the locks? Every desk my grandfather ever bought had secret compartments. There's an organ in the theater, and if you play a specific sequence of notes, it unlocks a hidden drawer. Every Saturday morning from the time I was a kid until the night my grandfather died, he sat my brothers and me down and gave us a riddle, a puzzle, an impossible challenge, something to solve. And then he died. And then you came. And then he says, Grayson thinks you're some sort of master manipulator. My aunt's convinced that you must have some Hawthorne blood, but I think that you're the old man's final riddle. We just need to figure out why. Then he said, everything is a game, Avery Grahams. The only thing we get to decide in this life is if we play to win. And then she tells him to get out and use a normal door this time. Then Jameson said, I'm going to leave this here. And he places his envelope that he must have got from Tobias on the mantle. And he said, read it and tell me that this isn't just a game to be won. Tell me it isn't a riddle. And obviously he thinks it is a riddle. So he said, before he goes back into the fireplace, he said, he left you the fortune, Avery. And all he left us is you. So after Jameson disappeared, she'd just been looking at the letter. And she basically had it memorized by now. And here's what it said. Jameson, better the devil you know than the one you don't. Or is it? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. All that glitters is not gold. Nothing is certain but death and taxes. There but for the grace of God go I. Don't judge. Tobias Tattersall Hawthorne. And then she begins to think and says, there's something there in the letters, in Jameson's, in mine. An answer or at least some sort of a clue. So she gets out of her bed and said that she needs a reality check. She says, when I got was more than 100 missed calls and texts. Suddenly, the reason Alyssa had given me a new phone was clear. People I hadn't spoken to in years were messaging me. People who had spent their whole lives ignoring me clamored for my attention. Co-workers, teachers, even classmates. I had no idea how half of them had gotten my number. I grabbed my new phone, went online, and discovered that my email and social media accounts were even worse. I had thousands of messages. More of them were from strangers. And she remembered what someone had said. To some people, you'll be Cinderella. To others, Marie Antoinette. And then she hears a voice call out her name. A female, but not Libby's. Or, and then she says, Alyssa, is that you? And then she says, it was brisk, business-like, definitely Alyssa. You missed breakfast. And Alyssa says, Miss Lawlin wasn't sure what you'd like, so she made a bit of everything. And a woman I didn't recognize, early 20s maybe, followed her into the room carrying a tray. She deposited it on my nightstand, cut a narrowed-eyed glance my way, then left without a word. And then Avery said, I thought the staff only came in as needed. And Alyssa said, the staff is very, very loyal and extremely concerned right now that... That was one of the newer hires. She's one of Nash's. And then Avery says, what do you mean one of Nash's? She says, Nash is a bit of a nomad. He leaves, he wanders, he finds some hole-in-the-wall place to to bartend for a while, and then like a moth to the flame, he comes back, usually with one or two hopeless souls in town. As I'm sure you can imagine, there's plenty of work to be here, had done at Hawthorne House, and Mr. Hawthorne had a habit of putting Nash's lost souls to work. Did you guys hear that? Moth to the flame? Is that a Hunger Games reference? Didn't someone say that in Hunger Games? I think someone said that in Hunger Games. Huh, they've already made a Harry Potter reference, so it might be.
So then Avery asks about the girl who had just entered the room, and she's, Alyssa said she's been here for about a year. She'd die for Nash. Most of them will, if they had to. And then we learn that the reason that Nash and Alyssa have not been getting along is because apparently they were engaged for some time. Like, I guess that's the reason Alyssa doesn't like him, or at least ignores him and stuff. Then Alyssa changes the subject and said, I've taken the liberty to enroll you at Heights Country Day. It's the school that Xander and Jameson attend. Grayson graduated last year. I hoped you'd have to enroll later or at least partially acclimated before news of your inheritance broke in, but we'll deal with that when you've been dealt with. You're the Hawthorne Harris and you're not a Hawthorne. That's going to draw some attention, even at places like that school, where you will be far from the only one with means. And then by means, she means rich people, rich kids. She says, I'm pretty sure I can handle a bunch of prep school kids. And then she decides that she'll take um, Avery's old phone and get rid of it for her. So she isn't bothered by messages. But then Avery says, wait a minute. And she transfers Max's phone number onto her new one. And Alyssa says, I suggest you strictly regulate who has access to your new number. This isn't going to die down anytime soon. And then she says, the student at Country Day will be a bit more discretion, but you need to be prepared. As awful as it sounds, money is power and power is magnetic. You're not the only person you were two days ago. Okay, we're getting close to done, so don't worry. This is chapter 21, where Jameson and um, Avery are on their way to school. And so he climbs into the car and he said, you've read my letter. And Oren asks if Xander needs a ride. And Jameson says, Zan goes to school early on Fridays, extracurricular activity. Then they start driving, and Orrin said, she's the package. If there's an incident, you save her first, Jameson said. Grandfather said, always said that Hawthorne males have nine lives. I can't possibly have burned through more than five of mine by now. So as they drive off, she's looking, she says, even through the bulletproof windows, I could hear the minor roar that went up when we passed outside the gates. Paparazzi. There'd been at least a dozen before. Now there were twice that number, maybe more. So then Avery reaches into her bag and he, she hands her her letter and Jameson's letter. And Jameson said, I showed you mine, you show me yours. And she'd already handed it to him. And she said, shut up and read. She look, he, look, he read it, you know, because it was really short. And he said, that's it? Yep. Jameson says, any idea what he's apologizing for? Any great and anonymous wrongs in your past? And she says, one. And she says, but unless you think your grandfather is responsible for my mom having an extremely rare blood type and ending up way too low on the transplant list, he'd probably, he's probably in the clear. She said, I meant that to say sarcastic, not raw. Jameson said, we'll come back to your letter and turn our attention to mine. I'm curious, mystery girl, what do you think of it? And then she's starting to take it as this whole game as a challenge now. She says, well, your letter was written in Proverbs, wasn't it? All that glitters is gold. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. All these better than the devil you know than the one you don't know. That's obvious, right? By this, she thought that it meant that his family was the devil that Tobias Hawthorne had known and that she was the one that he hadn't. But if that's true, then why her? And then Jameson said, keep going. Well, there's another one. Nothing is certain but death and taxes. It sounded like maybe he knew he was going to die. But then Jameson gets quiet and he said, he didn't even know he was sick. Um, it says, Tobias Hawthorne had apparently been a champion in keeping secrets, like my mother. 
I could be the devil, he doesn't know it, even if he knew her. I would still be a stranger, even if she wasn't. And then the last part, there but for the grace of God go I. Maybe it means with different circumstances, any of us could have ended up any in anyone's position. The rich boy can become the pauper, Jameson said, and the girl from the wrong side of the track can become the heiress. And they said, on the surface, it appears that the letter outlines what we already know. My father died, or not my father, my grandfather died, and he left everything to the devil. The devil that he didn't know, thereby reversing the fortunes of many. Why? Because power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. He says, what about you, heirs? Are you incorruptible? Is that why he left the fortune in your hands? And he said, but there's something more here. A play on words. A code. A hidden message. There has to be something that he left. And he says, well, and then Avery says, your grandfather signed my letter with initials. And yours was with his full name. Jameson says, and what do we make of that? And then Orrin says, before they can say anything, almost there. The Country Day administration has been briefed on the situation. I signaled over the school security and when the boys were enrolled. You should be fine here, but do not under any circumstances leave the campus. I won't be far. She looks outside and she's like, this is a high school? It looks more like a college or a museum, like something out of a catalog where all the students were beautiful and smiling. And then... They're getting out, and Jameson says, I hate to puzzle and run, Mr. Girl, but the last thing you need on your first day at this school is for anyone to see you with me. Chapter 22 starts with Jameson was gone in a bleak. He had disappeared, and then Orrin says, It's just a kid. They're just kids. It's just a school. Rich kids, though. <laughs> it says, Kids whose baseline for normal was probably just being the kid of a brain surgeon or hotshot lawyer. When they thought college, they probably thought about Harvard or Yale. And there I was, wearing a pleated plaid skirt and a burgundy blazer, complete with a navy crest embosomed with Latin words I didn't even know how to read. And so she grabbed her new phone and sent a message to Max. This is Avery. New number. Call me. And she asked Orin, do I need to meet you here at the end of the day? He says, I'll be here waiting. Thanks for the ride. And then she goes in. Nobody is staring at her. Nobody is whispering. She says, in fact, as I walked towards the twin archways, making the entrance to the main building, I got the distant, distinct feeling that the lack of response was deliberate. Not staring, not talking, just the lightest of glances every few steps. Whenever I looked at anyone, they looked away. So as she closed the distance between the archways, a girl with long black hair trotted up to her and was watching her. And then she reached, when she reached towards them, the black-haired girl stepped away from the group and towards them. She said, I'm Thea. You must be Avery. Why don't I show you the office? She starts to saying, the headmaster is Dr. McGowan. She's got a PhD from Princeton. She'll keep you in her office for at least half an hour talking about opportunities and traditions. If she offers you coffee, take it. Her own personal roast is to die for. When Dr. Mack gives you your schedule, make sure you have time for lunch every day. Country Day, Country day used, uses what they call module scale, scheduling, which means we operate on a six-day cycle, even though we only have five days of school a week. And then Avery says, okay, but her head's practically spinning. Uh, thanks. And then Thea says, people at this school are like fairies in Celtic mythology. You shouldn't thank us unless you want to owe us something. Then Thea says, well, you'll be fine as long as you're with me. And Avery says, I'll be fine regardless. Thea says, clearly. 
And then Thea just suddenly becomes, like, sorry for her because she has to live with the Hawthorns. And she said, if there's one thing the Hawthorne family isn't, it's fine. They were a twisted, broken mess before you got here, and they'll be a twisted, broken mess once you leave. And she's like, wait, gone? Leave? Am I going to end up gone that fast? Like, what? And then they're reaching the office, and it says it opened, and four boys poured out in a single file. All four of them were bleeding. All four were smiling. Xander was the fourth. And Thea looks at him and said, Xander, looks like you lost. Then Xander said, there are no losers in robot battle death match fight club. There are only winners in people whose robots sort of explode. And by the way, he was also missing an eyebrow. And then she explains to Xander that she's showing Avery the office. And then Xander says, Avery, did the ever-delightful Thea Caligaris happen to mention that her uncle is married to my aunt? (gasps) What? And then Xander said, I hear Zara and your uncle are looking for ways to challenge the will. Thea gave an elegant little shrug, undaunted, and said, I wouldn't know. Oh, really now? Chapter 23. So the principal is talking to Avery about classes and tells her about this Hawthorne Foundation. And she's like, a Hawthorne Foundation? What? And the principal, Dr. McGowan, asks her, well, let's help you make plans for your future. What are you most passionate about? And then she be, it was says, it was on the tip of my tongue to tell her what I told Principal Altman. I was a girl with a plan, but that plan had always been driven by practicalities. I'd picked a college major that would get me a solid job. The practical thing to do now was stay the course. This school had to have more resources than my old one. They could help me gr- game standardized tests, maximize the college credit I received in high school, put me in the perfect position to finish college in three years instead of four. If I played my cards right, even if Zara and her husband somehow ended up undoing what Tobias Hawthorne had done, I could come out ahead and then she blurts out travel i always want to travel and then dr max said why what is it that attracts you to other places the people the art the history the cultures and every says yes i guess all of it really then dr mac reached out took my hand and said i'll get you a list of electives to look at i under i understand that study abroad won't be option for the next year due to your rather unique circumstances but we have some marvelous programs you might consider So now you're thinking, okay, cool. And then she's like, if someone had told me a week earlier that there was anything that could tempt me to stay in high school even a minute longer than necessary, I would have thought that was delusional. But this wasn't normal school. Nothing about my life was normal again anymore. On to the next and last chapter of this video, 24. So Max had called her back around noon. And apparently this schedule, there were gaps everywhere. So which I guess was cool for her because she wasn't expected to be anywhere in particular at the time. So she could wander halls, she could spend time in a dance studio, a dark room, or one of the gymnasiums. And she says, when precisely I ate lunch was up to me. So when Max called, I ducked into an empty classroom, no one stopped me and no one cared. So Avery told Max, this place is heaven. And then Max says, the mansion? She says, no, the school, you should see my schedule and the classes. Avery, Max said sternly, is it my understanding that you have inherited roughly a bazillion dollars and you want to talk about your new school? And then Max tells Avery that her parents have been freaking out. And she's like, your parents have been freaking out? Why? Max says, Avery, do you know how many calls I've gotten? A reporter shows up at my house. My mom's threatening to lock down my social media, my email, everything. Reporters want to interview, Avery said, about me. Have you even seen the news? Max asked. She says, no, there was a pause and Max said, "Mm, maybe don't.
And then Max is like, but you've got a bodyguard, so that's cool. And then Avery says, I have a staff, servants who hate me, by the way. The house is like nothing I've ever seen. And the family, they have patents and world records and all of that. And then they hang up and she finds the cafeteria and there was probably about two dozen people eating and one of them was Thea. She nudged a chair out from her table with her foot. She's Zara's niece, I had, she said I had to remind myself, and Zara wants me gone, but still she sat next to her. And then Thea says, I'm sorry if I came on a little strong this morning. It's just that in your position, I'd want to know. And she says, know what? She said about the Hawthorne brothers. For the longest time, every boy wanted to be them. Even just being Hawthorne adjacent changed the way people look at you. Then Thea says, they aren't what you think they are. I wouldn't want to live in a house with the Hawthorns. And then Avery says, I should go because she's getting uncomfortable. And then Thea says, think what you want about me. But the last girl at this school who got tangled up with the Hawthorne brothers, the last girl who spent hours after hours at their house like you, she died. So what do you guys think? I'm really sorry for leaving you on a cliffhanger like that, but that is the last chapter for today. So again, this is The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, and that was chapters 13 through 24. And next week, we'll be doing another 12 chapters. So please come back next week on Monday and tell your friends, tell your family, anyone you think that'd be interested in this podcast or in this book i mean tell a random stranger if you want to i don't care but you liked it come back next week and thank you guys for watching if you listen to the whole thing i know sometimes they'll be longer but sometimes they'll be shorter so thanks again and i'll see you next week